Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Crystal Williams, here, and I am with my equally amazing, awesome, stupendous co-hosts, Lizzie and Jazzy. You didn't use a Halloween-related verb, or adjective, I mean. Positively rude. Spooky. Spooky, creepy, scary skeleton. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, and we're all back here. Uh, and today's a very special episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. Uh, well, one, we don't have a guest this time, but we will have a guest at some point soon again. Uh, and two, this is the uh, the super spooky special Halloween uh, Scream 25th anniversary podcast slash discussion of the new Scream that's coming out in 2022. So... Hooray! That was very unbelievably complicated, Crystal. Well, I, I I never do things that's easy. I like to make things as hard as possible. Kinky. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to preface this with the fact that the 25th anniversary of Scream is actually in December. But for some reason, they released it in October. Probably to help with the buzz now that they're finally dropping all of the trailers and, and marketing material well, that also, they've been sitting on forever. Also, it's Halloween season. You don't talk about fucking dark, scary movies in Christmas. Well, I've done it before. We got Krampus. True, true, true. <laughs> also, I wanted to mention... Uh, I wanted to rectify something from a few, from like a couple episodes ago. I think it, it, it was asked like, "What's some Halloween tradition movies um, that we have?" And I did, and I was tired at the time, so I didn't think of this. I wanted to mention Coraline, so there you go. Oh, oh Coraline's a good one. Lizzie, do you want to actually uh, jump in on it because you you uh, you missed that part, I believe. So yes, uh, I have a lot of Halloween tradition movies. Oh my god. Um, Starting with the obvious, ever since I was a little kid, Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Every year without fail, um, because it was on ABC Family's 25 or 20, 13 Days of Halloween. And anytime, and it started out as an accident. Just every year, I'd turn on the TV, and that movie would be on, and I would just be like, okay. Uh, and then as I got older, it became more intentional because it was like it's Halloween. I need to watch Hocus Pocus. Funny enough, um, so. I hadn't seen that movie in a long time, but I ended up watching it recently, yesterday, because it was my girlfriend's birthday, and she wanted to watch it first. That was one of the things she wanted to, to watch, so. Well, it's a good choice. It's a good choice for this season. It's a fun movie. Um, So I actually didn't get into watching it with the group they were all in until, like, the second half. And, like, watching this second half with a vague recollection of the first half in mind, this movie's weird. I kind of like it, I think. I kind of like it, I think. (laughs) But, yeah, I kind of like it, I guess. It's it's just fucking wild. And also, uh, Max Goof is a fucking cat. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) But I, I I love that movie a lot. Um... I think that it's very, I don't care for the way, listen, I think it's very clearly a movie that is nostalgic for people my, more around my age. Whenever I listen to 30-year-olds talk about this movie, it's weird. Um, like, like they have a, like a Doug Walker, I guess, to name the easiest target oh, for that. Oh, we're already, we're already dunking on, on um, Doug Walker today. <laughs> Doug Walker doesn't understand 
Do why this movie is good. Anything. Thirty year olds. Like, I feel. I feel. I feel attacked. Doug Walker. Does You're not an honorary. We've gone over this. We've okay. gone over this. Doug Walker does not understand movies. No, he doesn't. And he had. Doug Walker created this misconception that there's a weird fixation on virginity in this movie that does not exist. Um, it's a part of the spell because that's like a spell. That's a dark magic spell thing in pop culture is the blood of a virgin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make like two jokes about it in the movie. Right, right. It wasn't like Ooh, the only person. Like two... The only person who mentions it constantly is the sister, but she. It's like it's kind of. And she mentions it twice. Like, and even then, I think I kind of got more of the impression that it's more an an innocence to the topic than why she mentions it. I don't. I also don't think she knows what it means. Right, that's what I mean. And she knows that top. he lit the candle, so he must be a virgin. I don't think the implication is that she knows what it means. Right, she's right, calling right. him that because she's mad at him for lighting the candle. Like, it's... Right, she's a child, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It, 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 the, I think the, what, the reason I got into it is just for the overacting from the witches, from the, from the witches, from the actresses playing them. Oh my god, that's... Yes, well, exactly. The plot is a little incidental to the movie. Mm. And I remember... And, and, and that's another thing that makes me... Sorry, I promise we're not going to hyper-focus on Doug too much. But that's the other thing, is when he was like, it's not... The witches, the three actors from the witches are having so much fun. It's not good, but... Yes, it is good, Doug. Shut the... I'm sorry you don't like camp. You've made that abundantly obvious your entire career that you neither like nor understand what camp is. Right. That's fine. It doesn't have to be your thing, but it's not bad. This is a, this was a deliberate directing and acting choice on the part of the actresses to be this campy, because it's Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Jessica Parker, who They're Sarah Jessica Parker, who was a little bit Sarah Jessica Parker at the time was not quite as much of a camp icon as the other two for obvious reasons. She was a lot younger. Well, good God, but does she? Good God, does she? Good God, did she camp? embrace it? Oh yeah, she did a great job. I'm just like. It's just, it's just a matter of, like, they're they're doing camp, Doug. Right. And because you don't know anything about movies or genre or stylism, you don't realize that. And so you're just saying it's bad for no fucking reason. And it's like, no, it's just in, it's, it's a, it, this is a, a style of performance. And it is very intentional. That's a, an overarching issue I have with critics in general, is when you cannot tell the difference between something that was an intentional choice that you just don't personally care for and something being bad. And camp is quite obviously um, a regular target of this. Right, like there are a lot of movies that I watch that are campy as fuck or just so overblown and over the top and they're like, it's like, and people act like they're the worst things ever when it's like, you know, but if it's an intentional stylistic choice, is it doing a bad job? Well, that's to say, is I think I think one of the major questions you need to ask yourself when you're performing any sort of criticism um, is how much, to what degree was what was the thing trying to do, and did mm-hmm. it achieve what it wanted? And I because it also forces you to question how much of your opinion is being created by like your your personal taste versus the actual like quality of the thing you're right, right, and that's the thing about like um, a lot of 
that era of bad faith internet criticism is it seems to be based more on what the what the critic wanted from from the movie rather than what it presented. And yeah, like and, I see, and, and even and even for more professionals in this viewpoint, I see this all the time. Do you, like you go look up, go look up the fucking negative reviews for Treasure Planet and count how many oh of them are God. like, and count how many of them just give it shit because I just think the premise was kind of stupid and I didn't. Watch I hate it. that. There's nothing, and this is like we don't have to get into our disagreement about the purge right now. <laughs> but I, but that was one of the things that drove me crazy about people criticizing when the purge first came out. It's just like the premise is stupid. I don't fucking care. What does the, what does that have to do with anything? Look, you look, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues with that movie. It's not that the premise is stupid. But and I, in fact, I, the premise is actually very good. It always drove me a little up the wall when people said that because I was like, it's not that, it's not new. Like this is the premise you find too ridiculous. In fact, why? That's what, in fact, again, don't need to go too deep into the disagreements, but it's kind of why I'm oh. just, I, it's kind of why it annoys me that I don't like these films because I think the premise is interesting. I just don't think the films do a very good job conveying it. It's just such a stupid criticism. If you don't like the premise, you're not gonna like the movie, and that's well, like, if you're, on if you're you. It's movie. not on the film because it was about a thing you don't want to see a movie about. So like, uh, it's it's weird because when people like just dismiss a movie based on premise it's like well what do you think of the movie you obviously went to go watch this movie because and so it's like what did you think of it it's like there's more to a movie than it's just its premise i mean so like fuck you know you know you know space balls that star wars parody everyone fucking loves mm-hmm. yeah that got pretty mixed reviews back in the day and even to this day because like if you look up reviews from when it came out everyone's like eh I just think doing a Star Wars parody ten years after the original film came out is kind of dated and doesn't doesn't talk much That's, about them. But like like the late an Roger, opinion I, like that is so much more dated than right. And it's like the late Roger, <laughs> like, the late the late Roger Ebert, who I want to say I mean no disrespect to this man. I do not want to, I want to make it clear I do not disrespecting the man. I have I, much disrespect for the late Roger Ebert, but that's a different conversation. Um, but like. His review of Spaceballs is so fucking annoying to me because he's like, he admits the movie was funny, but still gives it a pretty middling score because of the whole doing a Star Wars parody 10 years after, which is a fucking Because as we all know, Star Wars, Star Wars was not, um, <laughs> had no culture hold on the well, pop like, culture. Like, like, if you admit the later. movies, if the, if you admit the movie's funny and it's a fucking comedy, then you fucking enjoyed it! <laughs> the end! <laughs> the end. It's, yeah, I just, it's a, it's a fundamentally lazy criticism to be like, oh, I didn't like this. It's like, I try to go into that, because, like, so Christopher Nolan has a really hyper-literal and realistic type of filmmaking style that I dislike. Right. It's too, like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't personally care for the over-fetishization of realism in art, um, because to me that's not really the point or purpose of art. But I try and go into it, like, I, that doesn't make Christopher Nolan a bad filmmaker. It means he doesn't really make films to my taste of style and right, that's like, okay that's like, okay i can i can i can praise and criticize christopher nolan's films for other things outside of what i personally am and i'm not a fan of aesthetically 
Right, and it's like it's it's also applies to me with MCU movies. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but that does it. But I'm not going to immediately dismiss a movie because it's like an MCU movie and it's not to my tastes. Like, yeah. like I can acknowledge that these films do stuff that are good, and I acknowledge that they have a fan base, and that I am just not a big part of it. I'll say, <laughs> like, it's. But it's like, it'd be so weird if I just dismissed every MCU movie as, well, it had aspects I like, but it's an MCU movie, so I don't like it on that premise alone and give it a negative review. I mean, if we're talking about weird reviews, you should go back to the reviews for The Thing. John yeah, yeah, no. The thing. Like, oh god, so... This kind of goes, like, and even, like, a lot of this bad faith criticism based on premise or genre still exists today, like, especially on the internet with, uh, with, vi- with video games. Like, I don't want to name fucking, like, active critics or critics, quote-unquote, but there is one YouTuber who more or less hates JRPGs and then gives negative reviews to every JRPG or RPG he plays just on the basis of it being an RPG, like, unless it does something mold breaking in his eyes like something like persona 5 which i think is the only one he was ever positive to yeah like i feel like there's a certain point where you just need to accept that a thing isn't for you right and maybe you're not the most qualified to give opinions on it right right because it's it's not it's it's not to a thing that you like like if there's an audience for these things you need to let the audience for them which is not to say fans' opinions is more valid than anyone else because i know that that can go down a really cringy and obnoxious road but like, I don't know, there's a certain point where you just need to accept this is not for you, and that's okay. Right, and it's like, I remember, God, I remember this, I remember back when um, Kingdom Hearts 3 was coming out, there were so many critics that were thinking they were co- taking this interesting stance and being, and being, the, and having this pedestal that Kingdom Hearts, gasp, has a terrible story, and you weren't telling the fans anything we already didn't fucking know. It's like, it's like, ugh, yeah, it has a fandom, but the story's terrible, and it's like, we know. Okay. Isn't the cheesy story part of the appeal? Yes, we know the story's yeah. fucking awful. We love it anyway. Wait. We accept it. <laughs> we accept That's it. That's the point. And I am an unironic fan of how stupid this story gets. Like, literally, imagine going watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> And being like, I don't know, the acting just isn't very good in this movie. Like, I would flip a table if someone tried to tell me the acting in in Rocky Horror Picture Show. When the point is that everyone's acting is over the top as possible, especially, I know a lot of people mentioned Tim Curry's performance, but I just love Susan Sarandon's performance because she she very much knows what she was in. Oh, yeah. Oh, every single actor in that movie knew exactly what they were doing, and that's what but, made it so perfect. But, but su- there was something about Sarandon's performance to me that was just so goddamn entertaining. My character, my favorite character in Rocky Horror Picture Show was always Magenta. That's fair. Which I realized was just a little bit of a hot take, but I don't know. I, she, I, I loved her. She was like OG goth queen vibes from her. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Um, we were actually watching it as that one as well last night for um, Steph's oh, birthday, and like, we we got in costume for it. we got in different assortment of costumes for it. It was fun. Love it. Um, some um, of my other sh- Halloween uh, traditions. Wait, I have I have more. Um, trick or treat. <laughs> I watch ever, since I first saw Trick or Treat. I watched that every year. Same. That wow. is that to me. That is the most quintessentially Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. 
um, Paranorman. Uh, like, you know, there's a, there's a type of movie, there's a, there's a vibe. Outside of just being scary, like, I think it's important. Like, a Halloween movie to me has a very on, orange, autumn, brown, Halloween vibe and aesthetic. Can we also say it just has fun? Like, it's... it's fun. Like... Uh, like I noticed my favorite Halloween films know to play into either the comedy or the there's a playfulness to them if you yeah. if you get what I mean even in mm-hmm. like Trick or Treat like for example that movie has has moments of comedy throughout it even though a lot of that storylines are very dark it still kind of keeps that it light you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's a tricky balance to do, but I, I love that. I'm I'm a fan of Trick or Treat as well. I think that movie's great. <laughs> um, anything else that you're like on your your list? Um, major ones I I mean Scream. Okay, is this yeah. the perfect segue? <laughs> segue. There we go. <laughs> so Scream, we we all saw it this week, correct? Yes. Yes. I got to see Scream in the theater for the first time, and my life will never be the same. Um, if anybody anybody who knows me at all knows, Scream is one of my favorite movies, um, especially people who follow me on Twitter who have been waiting with bated breath for like a year for me to release my, uh, my long-awaited um, feminist analysis of the franchise, which is not done yet. I love all of you. I'm sorry. I am lazy and busy at the same time anyway um as my like and i I you're lizzie I've, I've more than lost count. I have no idea how many times I've seen that movie. Too many. Um, and I have to say that the experience of watching, most especially that opening scene in a theater, was like nothing else ever I'd ever had ever ever had or done before. It it was amazing and it was terrifying and. I definitely annoyed everyone else in the theater with me the whole movie because I was basically reciting the whole script. (laughs) I was doing every part of every conversation because I love this movie. So the first thing I want to ask about this movie now that I've it's been a while since I had seen it and I now have seen it with a fresh um, mindset now. it's not for lack of trying to make a tradition of seeing it. It's just I'm bad at doing tradition. So um, can we agree that uh, Stu and Billy were totally fucking? 100%. I'm mixed on that because yes, but also there's a tendency in like the Scream fandom when we say that to call them gay. and like, they were not gay. They were by because those two men yeah. absolutely, those two men absolutely had a lot of anger towards the women they were fucking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I don't. I'm not denying that they're by. 
The only thing I, yeah. the only, the only fact I'm establishing here is that they fought. Billy and Stu were fucking. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I'm not here to disagree with that. Right. Like, like I, I was talking with my, uh, I was talking with Steph while I was watching this movie. I was typing to her and like, she had seen it and I was like, and we were just going over to like how these two were totally, were totally banging. And I was, and during the scene near the end where they were stabbing each other, I was like, this is a kink thing. I swear to God, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with, with, with these, with these kinks of which you speak of, but. Well, it's also, there's a lot of queer subtext to the Scream franchise that is really important. Okay. So wait, 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 wait. Have, queer subtext in horror? I had no idea. I know, a shocking revelation. So I have this bit in my, in my uh, you know, almost 40-page essay on this franchise. Um, I have this bit where I talk about um, the overwhelming perception that I find people gave, that I received about Scream uh, when I was like a teenager, which was largely from the Brad Joneses and Doug Walkers of the world. That always and and like you know these Gen X straight dudes who really really hated Scream and really really hated that era of horror. Um, and a thing that I have frequently pointed out, uh, a thing that I point out in my essay and I've, I've talked about elsewhere before, is that I think a big part of why is even though Kevin Williamson wasn't necessarily publicly out at the time, I feel like the queerness of it was really really obvious because it was also present in the tone of the film it was present in the stylism and the the meshing of genres because it was not just a horror movie it was very much also like a teen melodrama Mm -hmm. and they lean into that really hard um and that uh had was overwhelmingly the thing that in that element is overwhelmingly the thing that influenced horror more so people like to make it about the irreverent um references and i disagree I yeah. disagree. It was the tone. It was the 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 sexy teen love affairs. It was the it was the melodrama that I think overwhelmed that 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 I, th- that I think had the most effect on horror on the horror that teen horror that followed it. And that's what I think that they're all very pissy about. And that's what right. I think they didn't like. Yeah, if you if you see any older generation like talk about the talk about Scream, it's always like, eh, like it satirized the slasher genre, but it fucking ruined it or something. Like I've seen. And and I fucking hate that take because it's just not true. Right, it's, I'm always against because, the idea that one film can ruin an entire genre. That is so. Well, and it's also their only point of reference then becomes like H2O. Which is, was absolutely trying to be Scream. I'm not going to sit here and argue with anybody about that. H2O was absolutely trying to rip off of Scream, which I found really interesting. Like, I have mixed feelings about H2O. We don't have to get into now. But, like, their main points of, of comparison are, I know what you did last summer, which was also written by Kevin Williamson. Mm-hmm. And H2O, which was produced by Kevin Williamson. He was a producer on that. Because um, Miramax had recently acquired the Halloween franchise when H2O came out. Um but, like, they disregard uh, a bunch of the other great teen horror that actually that actually did follow it. Like, they're disregarding the faculty and, um, fuck, brain. The one I really, really fucking love was Robert England. Uh, Robert England? Robert England was in a yeah, 90s slasher. That's definitely not going to give me Freddy Krueger when I Google that. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. I, yeah, so, I don't know. My, like, watching Scream now with kind urban of... Urban Legend, Urban Legend. Oh, right, right, right. Urban Legend, like, which I, I think oh. is the biggest Scream-inspired uh, film that I, I love the most of the 90s. Okay, go forth. So... The thing about watching Scream now, after years of having not watched it, the fa- thing I found interesting is, yeah, the fact that it was it was kind of a multi-genre horror film. And and don't get me wrong, I think the horror is great, but I think the highlight of that particular aspect, funny enough, is at the very beginning. Like, the best horror in the movie is at the beginning for me, personally. Oh, and that's yeah. Not, and that's not to say the rest of the horror aspects of the movie are bad. They are quite good. <laughs> like, well, I was more... I... But I was more interested have, in the rest of the film because I found the characters interesting. They were all likable. Even the kids who turned out to be the killers, I kind of liked. So. You you love, of course you do. You're the, course. That's the whole point. But uh, it's hard I, for me to hate Matthew Lillard is the thing. That's true. I, <laughs> I was going to say that. Same, same. Well, and something else I point out um, in, my, in my essay is um, – the statistics for the people who went to the, um, for this film, uh, repeat, repeat viewings of the film. So people, the demographics of people who went back to watch the movie a second time or more in theaters was like 80% something young women, like teenage girls. Right. Uh, versus like a 14% of, 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 of men, of, of teenage boys, went to repeat Saw Scream more than once in the theater. And I think that that says a lot to the general appeal that audience that this particular type of horror was largely appealing to, which was teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's really relevant too. Is I think it was a lot of you made horror all girly and gay, and they didn't like that. And that's why I love it. <laughs> That's what made horror. That's always been what made horror great. You dumb. Yeah, and, and with Scream, that's why I love it because it's such a. It, it feels like a horror. It it feels like it's such a good horror movie, honestly, and it's such a good it's, like high school drama movie as well. And exactly, like, I think that so much of what made Scream work is it it revitalized the slasher in a way that it kind of needed to be. Like it, I've said before too. It's also very funny. I'm going to say that. It is a funny movie. It's a really funny movie. It's a very... People like, like to say the comedy hasn't held up well, and I disagree entirely. Oh, no, it's... no, no. I, I think the comedy's great, especially mainly because of the delivery. Um, I think especially uh, Jamie Kennedy and Matthew Lillard fucking amazing in their, in their comedic bits in this movie. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, they have perfectly. great timing. Yeah. Like, um, the scene with them in the uh, rental store, which, fuck, that scene actually kind of made me tear up because I miss these fucking things. <laughs> So sorry, being a nostalgic ho over it's here. Okay. It's a but, very and, simple formula. Yeah, the entire bit. Everybody's a suspect. Yeah, I loved the I loved the horror movie rules. Like even kind of small things. Like there's a bit in this movie. There's a shot that I lost it at, and I think it was totally intentional. Where there's a bit where Dewey is stabbed in the back. Like Sydney goes to find him, and he's stabbed in the back and collapses. And Ghostface just walks into frame from the side. I love it. In the yes. most casual way, and it's fucking great. Because he's just a guy. Well, they're just teens. And that's so vi- it's so vital to the framing of Ghostface in shots mm-hmm. is that it always accentuates the fact that he's just a guy. Right. He is a person. He's a human being. And I think that as opposed to in direct contrast see. to Freddy and Michael and Jason. 
Let me see if I can find the I mean, gif look, of the scene. Think how clumsy no, I, they are I in the movie. See. You think well, about how exactly. clumsy they are in the movie, they, right? They, they fall, fall over. and they grunt and they groan and they run. And then they get hit in the crotch of a, a beer bottle. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think... I don't know who the, did that one, but yeah. <laughs> one of the major like strengths of Scream as a franchise is that it is, which is not to say Ghostface as a figure and a character is an iconic in and of itself, but it's a franchise defined by its heroes rather than its antagonist. I will say its antagonist is great, and I will say one thing oh, I yeah. definitely love about the Scream franchise in terms of the performances is Roger Jackson pulling off an amazing voice. Roger Jackson is so fucking great in This all was fucking Mojo Jojo. I love it. <laughs> so Roger Jackson, like, he does this very... Roger Jackson has a very specific challenge in front of him with this character, which is that throughout all four films, he's able to maintain a sort of consistency to Ghostface as a separate, like enigmatic being as well as understanding that each time he's performing as Ghostface to an extent he's also performing as a different character Mm -hmm. he's performing a different person performing Ghostface and I think he's very very good at like when you watch the sequels back to back as I've done many times is very he's very very good at doing that yeah, I think it was a good choice to get a voice actor with his experience to mm-hmm. do this. Because, he like, even if you look at his overall filmography and animation in and video games, there is a, lo- there is a lot of horror to it. Like, the guy was, um, he, one role that some will definitely know him for is that in American McGee's Alice games, he was the voice of the Cheshire Cat. Oh. Okay. Which was... Which was, and if you know anything about American McGee's Alice, it's a very creepy, they're very creepy games in tone. And then, I also just, that's for, just to backtrack a little to what I was saying before, too. Um, the way that this is a franchise so thoroughly defined by its protagonists is part of, like, it's part of what makes the first one work. Because like you were saying, is that you love and care about these characters as people so mm. much. Mm-hmm. You you care about the, these people. You're invested in the, their trauma and their problems and their relationships. And that is all of this is a big part of why whenever I see people saying Sydney needs to die in Scream 5. No. 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 Please, no. God, no. No. First of all, first of all, because my least favorite fucking slasher trope, like, I, I need, again, Y'all know me. I'm a slasher hoe. I love slasher movies. I love the bad sequels. I love the good sequels. I love the often groundbreaking original entries into the into the franchise. I love I love slashers. The worst slasher trope. I fucking hate it. Is killing off the final girl in the opening scene of the sequel. I hate it. I hate that. Too. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it's... it so much. I hate that you just told me this story about this woman going through a long, an elongated rape metaphor and coming out the other end, and then you just kill her at the beginning anyway, like at the next movie. I hate it. Like, it always as, upsets me. As much as I love a movie like Nightmare Part Three, that was the worst part about it. Is the that fact was that the worst part? The fact that they killed Nancy. Well, especially because they killed her in such a bullshit, stupid way that Nancy would never fall for. Right. Nancy is like they made like they made her so stupid in the in her in the last five minutes of that movie and it makes me so mad. Right, it's like because, it's a big it's a major it's a major it's a big mark on what is otherwise a good movie. Yeah, on what otherwise is a really great movie. I love Nightmare Three. I love Dream Warriors. I actually like weirdly enough I vibe with four a little bit more than three, even though three is probably a better movie. But that's a different again that's a different conversation. But yeah, it's it's my absolute least favorite trope, and it's again 
part of what makes Sydney Prescott such an important character to me is that she, that's the whole point. That is the whole point at the end of the first one, not in my movie. Mm -hmm. This is Sydney Prescott, and, and, and we call back to it again in number four. Don't fuck with the original. <laughs> you don't fuck it. No, Sydney Prescott doesn't die. This is her story. She's the survivor. Sydney Prescott doesn't die. That is in and of itself the trope that she is defying. Sydney Prescott does not die. So when Chris, I hear people Crystal, say, please say, please save this particular bit of Lizzie saying that Sydney Prescott doesn't get die in case we go they go that route in the stupid. I will way. be very unhappy. I will, I will be, be too. Very I will be too, but at least I'll get a laugh out of it. <laughs> because it's a, also like people are like, you have to subvert the expectations. She has plot armor. That's not a subversion of the expectation. Right. Killing like, your final girl in the sequel is not a subversion of anyone's expectations. It just right, no. isn't. At this point, it would be it would be of the expectations for some. So I also don't want Dewey to die. <laughs> Oh, please, no, no, no. He's been through enough. Yeah, he he deserves his happy end. He's been stabbed enough times. Just let <laughs> he's going to get stabbed again. Like, in fact, one thing, I, one thing I don't like in the uh, sequel in Scream 2 is them killing off uh, Randy, I believe the character's name is? Randy, um, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I kind of do, just because he was one of my favorite characters, and it felt... I mean, that's fine. Uh, I always thought that Randy's importance to the franchise gets a little overstated sometimes. Oh, no, he's not important. I just think he's a great character, and he was kind of just killed off a bit unceremoniously, so... I don't think it was... I guess I don't think it was unceremoniously. I thought it was a really good kill. I thought it was really great. I I thought Randy... He got this whole scene to him. Like, I I thought he got... I thought it was a great build-up and shock... But, I don't know. I th- I think I think that scene in two just works. It's one of the best scenes in two. By the way, what are you guys best, what are you guys thinking of the uh, the fan theory at this point for the new Scream movie that uh, that Stu's back? I think it's. I think um, it's- I have. I love um Matthew Lillard. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, one of the, the things that makes Scream a defining and interesting franchise is its dead characters stay dead because they are human beings. And I understand that what would be do, that that it would be a retcon and it would be that he never died at all, except you've already established that he was definitely dead many times uh, prior to this. And I, it's oh it's a thing I'm not interested in seeing undone. Because I am. I am. <laughs> I, I am. I, look, Sorry, look, I need oh Stu God, to be the Crystal. Am I agreeing <laughs> with you here? <laughs> I don't know. I just. I think. Look, like I'm getting I, some vibes from this trailer. I'm getting some vibes. Well, right. they're going back to the house, which is great. Um. <laughs> I'm getting some vibes about Ghostface. <laughs> look, I'm just pro more Matthew Lillard in movies. Well, that too. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, I'm sorry, Lizzie, but I want it to happen. <laughs> I it just feels to me like again, I like that the killers are are are, are foilable human men who you can kill and who are not going to come back to surprise you because you shot them in the head. But, I mean, Stu wasn't shot in the head though. He got a TV on his head. He got a T. I'm sorry, a TV exploded on his head. 
Well, he got electrocuted. I mean, he, he could be fine. <laughs> he could be. No. Yes, he could be. be. Oh my god. It's, it's only it's only a it's only a flesh wound. It'll heal. <laughs> anyway, fun fact though, Matthew Lillard did actually have a cameo in both Scream Two and Scream Four. Right. <laughs> I have not seen those in years, so I forgot. Honestly, uh, well, it's not noticeable intentionally. So uh, in Scream Two, he's in the crowd at the party. Okay. And in Scream Four, he's just like a guy on the street. So he survived. No! Yeah, he's alive. Okay. Yeah, he, he's, he's, in, guys. They're, they were setting things up. <laughs> it's careful planning. Everything's planned. <laughs> that that was that was the goal from, from the get-go. <laughs> we did it, guys. Pack it in. <laughs> Lizzie, um, I think you just uh, you just strengthened our point. God damn it! <laughs> like it's like Matthew, like Stu can't be alive, but also Matthew Lillard had these cameos and aha. Were they cameos? That doesn't even work though. Why would he? If the point is that Stu's just been in jail this whole time. Well, maybe maybe not. He could have he could have escaped. He broke out and attended this wild fucking party. That sounds like a very yeah. Matthew Lillard thing to do. <laughs> Okay, I know we're talking about the new movie, but I want to circle back to the original. Because uh, mm-hmm. this is, so, this is a film I had seen so many times, like, when I was young. Like, I would watch it, like, over and over and over again. Um, but, like, I hadn't actually seen the movie in, like, since I was probably maybe in high school. Maybe. Okay. It was a long time ago. <laughs> uh at this point. So watching this film now, like it was just weird how like so many moments just like my brain clicked and remembered it, even though I had not seen it in like the longest of times. Uh I think the, I think the interesting thing about seeing this movie again was the fact that um even though I hadn't seen it in a while, I did remember which characters were the killers. And it was kind of interesting because as I was watching it in my brain, I was like thinking, okay, I think for this kill, it was this character because this character was over here while that was happening or just any different clues, basically. There's also a lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> Which I didn't notice when I saw it when I was younger. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things I didn't. It went over my head when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I find, um, like, from what I remember of the other Scream movies, I think this this one, the original, has probably my favorite ghost face. Just Billy Bill, uh, Billy and Stu were probably my favorite ghost face. Oh. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think they ever did, like, ever did it better than the original. <laughs> like, which is funny, because I think the original's my favorite of the bunch. Like, I think Scream 2 is very good. I didn't like Scream 3 very much, and I don't remember if I ever saw 4. Maybe I need to do... Um, maybe this is the start. You should absolutely watch 4, because 4 is the second best in my 4 opinion. is the second best, yeah. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll watch and 4. And it was also I, I, Wes Craven's last film, so... Yeah, yeah, true. I, I'm probably gonna just skip 3, because um, I saw the screenplay credit, and it's to Aaron Kruger, whose work yes. I generally despise, so... So, um... The thing about Scream 3... <laughs> Scream 3 was a really rushed production that was working around the fact that its screenwriter and lead actress 
were not available for the time frame that the movie was being made, like at all. Which is why Sydney is not in that movie, in the third movie, a lot. And why oh. half the movie, and why not even half, why why two two thirds of her screen time is uh, in an entirely different location than the rest of the cast because it was filmed completely separately. Um, because uh, she was working on another movie and Kevin Williamson was launch- was both directing, teaching Mrs. Tingle, it was his de- directorial de- debut, and working on the launch of Dawson's Creek. And rather than reschedule your movie for a time when your screenwriter and your lead actress are more available, uh, the Weinstein said, no, make it now. Yeah, let's get this guy who to my knowledge, has never made a good fucking movie. I'm sorry. I harp on I Aaron don't want to blame, blame him too much because Aaron Kruger had, like, a month to write this screenplay. Yeah, that's fair. Because but every other... they... The, the, the um, treatment that Williamson had left for three, they had to throw out because it heavily involved... Uh, t- it took place pretty heavily in a high school. Um, and Columbine happened. Oh, geez. Yeah, and the Weinsteins were like, no. I don't yeah. blame them. I don't necessarily blame them for that decision. I blame them for not delaying the movie so that even if they didn't want, at the very least, giving Aaron Kruger more time to write a better replacement screenplay. Right. It's just, I don't know. I've never seen a good movie written by Aaron Kruger, so I kind of have a bias when I see his name on any screenplay. I, like, that's that's like fine. A, I... Like, like I like, said, I don't uh, like to blame him too much for the the sloppiness of the screenplay for this wait, movie because it okay, was very I can much blame him for the sloppiness of other screenplays though. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like like the Dumbo remake that was written by him and it was awful. Uh, go, uh the Ghost in the Shell remake, which was fucking piss. <laughs> um, wait a minute. Are you saying that Wes Craven worked on a movie with another person whose last name is Kruger? Yeah, you think yes. it would have been a match made in oh, heaven? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I just, it's, I just had to say that. I realize it's very funny. <laughs> like, it's yeah. I don't know. I, I, tr- I try not to harp on Aaron Kruger too much, but at the same time, whenever I see his name on a screenplay credit, I'm like, mm, that one's probably not gonna be good. <laughs> like that new Top Gun movie, he's co-writing it, and I'm like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that one's that that one's not gonna be good. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And this was also super early in his career, in Aaron Kruger's career. Like, he, I think this was his first film credit, I'm pretty sure. He'd only ever worked uh, as, like, a staff writer prior to this, unless I'm uh, wrong. I could be wrong according, about that. According, according, to this, according to this, he wrote three other films before this. And, yeah, The oh, Ring, I think, is shit. the only film that he made that people generally like. I haven't, I still haven't seen The Ring, and I... The Ring is good. Yeah. But it's a remake. I'm aware. <laughs> so, well, but, yeah, I know, I know you're aware. I'm just saying it's... I just uh, Scream Three was very rushed, and it's I don't I I I don't like to I don't blame I blame the Weinstein's more than anyone creatively involved with the movie. Well, we should all be blaming the Weinstein's for everything. For everything. Yeah. Hashtag uh, blame I do, the I, I do how I do, however, blame whoever was in charge of Courtney Cox's makeup and wardrobe on Scream Three. You, I blame. You're a creative team member. I I I, I just I just want to know. I want to know. Did she back into your car? Did she steal? Did she steal Wait, your lunch out of the staff? Was it that bad? I haven't seen that movie in years. Oh my god! I'm going to text you pictures right now, Jazzy. Oh my god! 
Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, put it in the Skype chat. I can't wait. This poor woman in her banana yellow suits and okay, her gonna... strained pleather pants. <laughs> it 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 was so very bad. It was it was it was it was it was not good. Hang on. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> there we go. Chat. Camera. Picture. This is the only one Google's giving me. But it get I think I think it sets your oh. vibe. It sets the vibe. What is wrong with her makeup? It's it's bad. It's very bad. I'm telling you, whoever was in charge of this. Gals fans, please go to Google and look up Scream Free Courtney Cox and just look at pictures of her if you haven't seen that movie in years like I haven't. Uh, because holy shit. Yeah, it's, I think you're right, Lizzie. It's a travesty. It is. I think someone hated her. I Yes, I'm there's no, I, I do not believe anybody thought this looked good. I don't care that like, it was 2000. They had to have done, they've had to have do like different test shoots with this makeup and everything. Make like so. Well, and everyone else looks fine. Let us be clear about this. This is a problem specific to Courtney Cox in this movie. Right, and everyone like, else like, looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, someone in on that set hated her. I'm someone. Someone hated her. Now, it was pointed out to me once, and I think this is correct, that one of the biggest goals for Gail's um, costuming and makeup and hair for all of all three of the original movies in the 90s um, was they were desperately trying to keep you from to think not friends was very clearly the goal. You, hmm. They wanted her to not look like Monica, Monica Geller to the audience. Hmm. Which I understand. That didn't mean you had to make her look hideous. Look at how good she looked in one and two. Why did you do this to her in three? She does look good in one. I don't remember two that much. I need to see two again. It's been a Same. long time. I'm going to watch all three before the new one comes out anyway. So, all four, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you could skip three and just say all three. So. Uh, that's true, but I, I, I want to I wanna experience the entirety of it. So. She looked really good in, in two, actually. Also, it was really weird in this movie to when they showed the news report of the guy they thought killed Sydney's mother, and it was fucking Liev Schreiber. It's like, yeah, yeah. God, it's so well, weird. See, it's so weird seeing this guy before he actually became something of a name. So, well, and he came back for Scream Two and had a for a much more pronounced part, and I, which I thought was really cool of him. I've, i i I need to see these movies again because apparently I don't remember a lot. <laughs> they're great they're very good i recommend all of them i even recommend three despite its many many never-ending problems yeah yeah, I, I, yeah it's it i i i'm with you i still i still kind of recommend it but i like yeah. the series so it's like yeah um, oh yeah i forgot there's a tv series shit oh i watched i watched um like half of season one, and I thought it was actually pretty good, even though it was like really different. Um, I I need to go back to that, and I know they did like a mini series where they brought back Roger Jackson for it. A mini series? Did you hear about that? It was like 
They had two seasons of the show. Oh, you're talking about the show. Okay. Yes. And no, then they I've did a third seen... mini series, I think. Yeah, it wasn't really a mini series. It was just a shorter season. Um, that was an anthology as opposed oh, to the okay. first two seasons, which were right. a continuous story. Um, and in the third season, yes, they brought back Roger Jackson came back for the voice, and they brought back the original mask because in the first two seasons, people ask me my opinion on that show a lot. I've only seen the first season, um, all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of two and three, um, and I think it's a it's per- a perfectly fine um, MTV teen murder drama. Yeah, it's, that's what what I got from it. It's not Scream. Yeah, and it's I not Scream. I really wish they hadn't called it that. Because yeah, that felt very money grabby, especially when you're not even using the ghost face mask and it's not set in, it's not even set in Woodsboro. It's not God, about I'm looking up anyone the... related to Sydney or Dewey or Gale. Like it's just it's just it's just a it's, they... it's I, I would say it's a good show, but it's not Scream. I looked fine. up the mask for this. I looked at the mask for the TV series. That mask looks bad. <laughs> it, it, Yeah, the mask was really bad. I don't even, like, you didn't have to call your show Scream. No. Like, you, you did that for the hype of a Scream TV series, but, like, it, but it wasn't a Scream TV series. <laughs> Hashtag not my ghost face. It's, it's, it's definitely strange. A strange beast. Yeah. That's all um, I'm going to say after seeing that mask. It's hashtag not my ghost face. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not. But, you know, it, it is what... It's Yeah, it's not a bad show. But, again, not should not have been called Scream. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, so... <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think of more things that I was like recognizing in the first film that I that I that I didn't catch or whatever because I again it's been a while but um I just I just love how your brain even if you haven't seen something in a long time can just like like I was just saying some of the quotes like and I hadn't seen even clips of that movie in a long time and it's just like oh wow this is stuck in the recesses of my brain like it's just there. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but yeah i did enjoy but yeah to go back to the original scream yeah i did enjoy my time revisiting it i think it was it had some fun dialogue i liked a lot of the smaller details like that was henry winkler as the principal i realized that right away on this viewing and i forgot that did anyone else feel creeped out by him the the principal yeah it's it's henry winkler in a horror movie no i mean i I like henry winkler but like why was he touching sydney well, that's the point. Right? It, it I mean, like, su- it I, makes him a suspect. It makes him, yes. it makes, makes him suspicious that he's weirdly touchy with his female students. Yeah, he was very sus. Very sus. And then he he has a that great scene where he talks to Fred. <laughs> oh yeah, Fred the janitor. Which is a great a little cameo from Wes Craven that makes my heart happy every time I see it. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed that we were watching a Wes Carpenter film. The fuck did you just say? It's the line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? You're starting to sound like a Wes Carpenter flick or something. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fun fact, that line was, in fact, originally just Wes Craven, because Kevin Williamson wrote this screenplay before Craven was obviously signed on to direct it. Um, and Wes Craven made him change it. He wanted to cut the line entirely, and um, Kevin had to, like, fight <laughs> I think to this, keep the Wes... I think this, 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 th- that moment was the best of both worlds. I think mixing the two names is a lot funnier. I agree. Also, and it works from to out of Tatum's mouth. Also, every scene with Matthew Lillard is just a fucking joy. <laughs> yeah, every scene with Matthew Lillard is a joy. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> remember. He'll... Also, I pointed this out on Twitter, but if he really is coming back in the new movie, it gives a whole new meaning to his famous "I'll be right back." back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love this was a, a fantastic and one of the most important movies in my life. Very, very, very near and dear and special to my heart. I I do have a funny story while seeing it in the theater. Oh yeah. Uh, one of my closest friend. Uh, he's a gay. He's a gay guy. Uh, that's important to the story. Um, we were just sitting in the scene where um, is her name Tatum, right? Yeah. Tatum, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, when she goes into the garage, and let's just say it's uh, it's very cold in that garage. Um, if you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, my gay, one of my gay, my best friend who's gay, just almost shouted out nipples in the theater, and I, I fucking died. <laughs> And I'm just like, you're not into women. Like, why are you paying attention more than I am? <laughs> oh man. All right, guys, I gotta, I gotta run early, like I always do. I'm really sorry. Um, Lizzie's got a, I love you guys. Got, got a social life, and we don't. <laughs> I gotta, I'm gonna plug the pluggables as you always love to say uh, yes. lizzie lemon drop tiktok twitter all the good old usual stuff read the things i write listen to me complain my girlfriend is recording me talking so i'm gonna go yell at her um i love you guys i'll talk to you next week love you lizzie love you talk later bye bye do we want to wrap this up as well or we should keep going this is that would be a way too short episode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cause well, we've had mostly 90 minute episodes, so we should at least go for another 20 or so minutes. That's true. Uh, um, or we could, we could even go longer. I have plenty of time to be honest. <laughs> I don't, but. <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, but I can go for another 20 if that's what you need me for. So <laughs> let's do that. Uh, but, um, sorry fans, you're seeing a little bit of behind the scenes, the magic of our show because we have no structure. So everything gets weird. Yeah, pretty much. Everything is weird, and uh, I am so glad we uh, we both agree that Stu should definitely be Ghostface. <laughs> I mean, you might as well. Like Matthew Lillard has just kind of become this kind of like he's he's kind of a meme of a person at this point. Like between like all the Shaggy shit, <laughs> a bit of a meme, but also like people genuinely love him. Oh yeah, he's like one of the most likable people I've I've seen in the acting world. He is wonderful. Yeah. I like yeah. So if they wanted to bring if they wanted to bring his character back just for the sake of giving him another mo- like giving him a movie, I'd be up for it because I am pro Matthew Lillard in more movies. 
I think it'd also be a good twist. Mm. Um, I know we're all calling it, but I also think it fits well with the story. It, it would uh, be good. It would probably be a big uh, crowd-pleasing moment, and I can imagine it as a moment where it's revealed and everyone in the fucking theater loses it. Yeah, like... <laughs> I I, I want to see that happen. Just to see him in that role again, because, like... Okay, so Matthew Lillard, Lillard also was recently on the show Good Girls on NBC mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for three seasons. It got canceled, but... I, I love him and I love his acting and I will say that it's 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 fun going back to Scream because that character gets to go fucking wild while while his character on on Good Girls is intentionally kind of a boring guy. It's a very like subdued like normal sort of dad mm-hmm. character and like he's great but he doesn't get to like shine in like owning a scene right especially since he's a, he's he initially is just kind of a side character he gets a bigger role as the show goes on but he's just he, i felt like the show didn't really utilize all of his talents you know like he's a really talented performer and uh and uh it's a it's a little too straightforward of a role and i went to see him go fucking crazy again uh weirdly enough he was also in the third season of uh, twin peaks um for a couple episodes and also weirdly enough david lynch didn't use his 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 zany energy either which i thought was interesting as well Hmm. uh it just was like again he was also kind of a dull character but not 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 that he's bad it's just he wasn't like you know he wasn't he wasn't stew yeah I think Stu is probably his best character, honestly. I know people mostly know him for Shaggy, and don't get me wrong, I fucking love him as Shaggy. You know, I haven't seen that film, SLC Punk. I heard he's good in that. I haven't seen it either. Um, my girlfriend also mentioned, uh, oh, fuck, what was it? Uh, hold on, going back in our chats. Da, 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 da. What did she mention? What movie did she mention? Uh, with um oh so oh she um, my girlfriend mentioned uh the movie he was oh. in the movie hackers oh that's right i never saw that one but yeah i never did either but i want to now because like just because again i again i'm pro matthew lillard in more movies and if that <laughs> means i have to watch more matthew lillard movies to manifest that into existing i will do it Oh, he's still doing Shaggy. I didn't know that. Yeah, he is. He's vo- he, like he's been voicing Shaggy. He voices. He's the current voice of Shaggy. I mean, he even voiced him for. I guess there was a new animated Mortal Kombat movie that came out recently, and they did a thing with the WB intro where they referenced Ultra Instinct Shaggy, the internet oh, meme. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they he's... had him voice. And they had him voice that small bit for a cameo. I I saw the clip. I have not seen the Mortal Kombat movie yet, but I do. I right. did see the first of the two animated Mortal Kombat's, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like what they did for the first part. The first part was a little sequence of the same thing, but it was like uh, Daffy oh, Duck was Yeah, around. it was Daffy yeah. Duck. I, I saw the first one as well. I still need to see the second. I don't know. I'm just happy with more Mortal Kombat media recently, no lie. So. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm happy that it's getting some love. Um, I, liked, the, I, I even like the recent live-action movie, as stupid as it was. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the movie. I think it's 
like in all technical sense it's a bad movie but like i mean like not like in terms of like production value or whatever i'm saying in terms of like story structure but i will say that like they get the characters really like well down and the vibe is like it, it feels like mortal Kombat, you know which is great like the old film did feel like mortal Kombat, but it did felt 90s mortal Kombat. well the new oh. film uh, now Mm-hmm. if you get what i mean yeah like so. i think i appreciated this film because it was they this was the mortal Kombat film i wanted to see as a kid with the full r rating all the gore and shit yeah, yeah, no, same, same here. I was just like, yes, they, 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 they basically just did the fatalities, but like, right, like right, the this, games, but it just this, like this movie earned its R rating, so yeah, it, it did, and it, and it let the characters say all the naughty words too. Yeah, my favorite bit was when uh, Kano wanted that fucking egg roll. Oh, that's right. Kano was really enjoyable in the film. Kano was surprisingly the best part. <laughs> Well, there's there's a lot of potential for Kano, and he's used in the stories for sure, but it's definitely in a uh, in a more side role, you know. But there's so many characters, I guess you have to <laughs> you have to choose which ones you're really gonna focus on. But like, yeah, he the way their use of him in this film was pretty inspired. I would say it's a very interesting choice. You right. Know? I was I I didn't like I wasn't expecting him to have the. Uh... Uh, I wasn't expecting them to go the uh, hero. It starts off as one of the good guys, but like turns traitor. So, but that's still consistent with the character's backstory, actually. So, yeah, because if, if you don't know, the character's backstory is that he was an informant for Sonia and her partner at the time on a case, but then stabbed him in the back and killed her partner, which is why she wants revenge on him. So, so. Yeah, it, the idea of him being a good guy at first, or not necessarily a good guy, but helping them at first and then turning traitor is consistent with how the, what the characters established to be. Right. It makes sense. The, the, the movie understood the game and it knew the characters. I will say that for sure. Um, I, I was surprised by the lack of a tournament. Yeah. Maybe because I've gotten so used to the Mortal Kombat movies being about the tournaments like because i had just seen the the animated well, it's weird because it's weird they talk about a tournament a lot in, in the live action movie but they don't get to it and i'm guessing from what i could tell it's meant for, like the tournaments are meant for the sequels i guess so which is right. why you had that you had that um spoilers by the way the cliffhanger where they're going to go find other fighters including johnny cage that's what i was interested because like when i was following the casting um, I love Johnny Cage. I think he's a great character. I think he's really funny, and I think he's also can be used to great to tell a great um, story of maturity and learning from that. From like you know, like that's what I think the games did great recently with him is that like, oh he 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 he's learned to be a mature adult and not not be like his Hollywood douchebaggy self. Uh, um, but I just feel like you know I was like. I was waiting for the casting when they were announcing it. I was like, oh, this movie's not having Johnny Cage? Interesting. And then, I, of course, the ending came. I'm like, okay, yes. And I also have a have a suggestion of who I want who I want to play. It's really obvious. I want I want um I want Ryan Reynolds. I can see it. Yeah, because he's got like that 
I mean, he's dead. You know, you've seen that. We've all seen Deadpool or any movie where yeah. he, he plays up the the cocky sort of humor aspect to it. If there's anything I really want from the sequel, it's more Hiroyuki Sonata as Scorpion because he was my favorite part. What well, aside from Kano, he was my favorite yeah, part. I'm with you. He was great. They didn't use him much, but he was great. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But like the scenes they did use him in, holy shit, he was an awesome Scorpion. Yeah, he was perfect. I I love that. The whole intro was great too. You know. Yeah, and it was bloody. It was very bloody. Which, yay. Mm-hmm. Um, I even got Goro in this movie, which was interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't too big on how they used Goro. I much prefer, like, I, I thought the CGI was a bit shoddy, and I thought they kind of wasted him on on his scene. Yeah, he should I have pre- been in the tournament. Right. I, I prefer Goro. In, that's one aspect where I prefer the 90s movie. I thought Goro was done better there, just because I, I like, I, I, yeah. I thought the I thought the effects were great. I loved Kevin Michael Richardson's voice performance, which they actually brought him back for those animated movies, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm not like I'm not like the hugest of like fighting game like fan. You know, I don't follow like the tournaments. I don't like pay attention. I don't get like great, but uh, specifically Nether Realms games and Mortal Kombat in particular, I follow. I follow mm-hmm. everything with that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just cuz I like the personality and the the goriness of it and how it feels very like it's a, it loves horror films. So, I mean, that kind of like fits my aesthetic. <laughs> Fair. Uh, which, you know, it's really hard to tell that I like horror. I make it really, really difficult to tell. Like, no one can oh, tell. Oh, absolutely. I can never tell. I mean, people just think I'm, uh, I'm into anime. Like, they just think I'm, like, the biggest anime fan because, uh, you know, that's all I ever post about is anime. I thought that was me. <laughs> What do you mean? You, you're the one who posts about uh, uh, Evil Dead all the time. Not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, God, now I want to watch both Mortal, both the, the '90s and the 2020 and the 2021 Mortal Kombat movies again. Like, I, and then just watch the animated ones for good measure too. <laughs> yeah, and then for laughs, watch um, Annihilation because it's fucking hilarious. It is funny. But no, it's also, like, like, really bad. <laughs> it is. But, like, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is, like, one of the quintessential So Bad It's Good movies for me. Because it's fucking hilarious. Mother, you're alive. Too bad you will die. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, one of the first fucking scenes in that movie. <laughs> I feel bad for James Remar, because I don't think he's a bad Raiden, but he was given a horrible script. <laughs> Oh, he's a good actor, but they were swimming upstream with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, there's there is no way you could save that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's it's a good thing it's hilarious because that's all it has going for it is that it's funny. Yeah. My favorite bit is when like um he gets to fucking Nightcrawler's camp and he's attacked by a wolf and they're doing this POV shot from the, from the wolf attacking him. But it's painfully obvious that Robin shows Robin shoes just holding the camera and shaking it, <laughs> and it looks so bad. Oh, that movie looks bad in general. Bad CGI, oh. bad fight scenes. I'll say this: I think the set design in that film was good. It's like carrying from the first one. I think the set design's good. 
Okay, fair enough. When there when there was set design. When there was set. That's what you mean when they were actually inside for maybe like what two or three. Right. When there were when there were sets, they were good. I will give the movie that whoever did the set design did a fine job. <laughs> no issue with them. Yeah, whenever a movie's bad, I don't like to shit on the the crew. Right. I know I know um, what they're though, going though through. I will admit they're the first one less. set the first one set design was way fucking better. Well, yeah. There's a lot of I locations mean, just which were just way fucking cooler. <laughs> well, I mean, just everything about that first movie was way better. I mean, the effects, the CGI are equally sh- is equally shit. Equally shit, shit for films. sure. Yeah. Like, like, but like, I think the use of practical effects in the first one was definitely better. Like, Goro looked fucking amazing, like I said before. I mean, Goro is Goro, right? Right. Like, like I don't know. I, I always love the use of puppetry in film, so... Me too. I, um, but I no, with it. but no, like even some of the better looking effects in Mortal Kombat Annihilation don't look good. Actually, no, there aren't any better looking effects in Annihilation. They all look terrible. Like even the practical shit looks really bad. Like um, there's a bit where uh, Luke Hang's fighting uh, I assume Baraka as well as a few Tarkatans, and the costumes on them looked awful. <laughs> And I say I assume Baraka because they don't say this character's fucking name. That's a pattern in Mortal Kombat Annihilation where characters will just show up and fight and you don't even know their fucking names. Yeah, they're like, it's it's very strange. Right, and like most characters just appear to have a fight scene and fuck off and most of the fight scenes are bad. I mean, we got a Scorpion versus Sub-Zero fight, which was lacking in the first movie, but it's really bad. Yeah. Oh, um, also, it had also they legit brought Ed Boon in to record a line, uh, have a recording of him going suckers, <laughs> which was the funniest. <laughs> like, just imagine your Ed Boon being brought into a fucking recording studio for this movie based on the franchise you co-created, <laughs> and you have to say that. Wow, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's cool to be a part of a movie, but to say that, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, like, look, I enjoy bad movies, keep in mind. Like, I can yeah. enjoy a really bad movie. In fact, I was watching uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance the other day. I don't get why people hate this movie. It's fucking outstanding. Is that the second one? Yeah. I never saw that one, but it is I can so. Understand. Like, I am going to go, I am going to defend this movie. It is like, people say it's like, oh, it's so over the top and silly. That's what it was made to be. It was meant to be fucking dumb. No one made this movie thinking they were making the next big superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when that was coming movie out. movie with, with Nicholas goddamn Cage. Uh, he, he's... He has, like, famously bad, or maybe not bad, but ridiculous moments in that movie, too, doesn't he? Yes, I, I'd say because of that, this movie's actually better than the first one. And I like the first one, too, because it's so dumb. <laughs> like, It's also R-rated, isn't it? No, it's not. It's still a PG-13. It should have been R-rated, because I think a lot of what they were going for would have been better. But, um, I don't know. Like, Nicolas Cage just is just acting like himself this entire movie, and it's so fucking good. Like... There's a bit where they're interrogating a guy to find the location of something, and Cage just flips the fuck out, and it's hilarious. 
Like, okay. Like he's he's just like so a, a big plot point in this movie is that Johnny Blaze is losing control of the Ghost Rider. Like, like he can't keep control of it. So it'll just pop out at night during during like inopportune times. Like when he's trying to keep calm, he, it'll like it'll keep trying to break out and it'll drive him crazy. And this is what what's going on during this interrogation scene. <laughs> and he's like. And he's like, oh, and you have Cage just going, look, look, you know, the rider, he's after you. And the only thing standing between you and him is me. So I suggest you cooperate. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> and there's this bit where he's yelling out, where he's like, kind of Oh, try- isn't like scraping at the, the yeah, door? Yeah, he's scraping at the door! <laughs> it's I've seen that clip on YouTube. I've seen that thrown around, yeah. People hate this movie. How? How do you look at this and say, I'm not entertained? Are you not entertained? Right, that's what I'm... That's me defending fucking Ghost Rider spirit of vengeance. You as 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 Russell Crowe gladiator shouting, are you not entertained? Right, and it has fucking Idris Elba in this movie. And he has no other point than just being a badass. And I'd argue he has... Well, that's his, cool. And I'd argue this movie used him better than the than any of the MCU films did. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with. <laughs> and then you get to the temple, and there's monks, and one of them's played by Christopher Lambert, the fucking Highlander, Raiden. Like, I love, I love his performance as Raiden. By the way, it's oh, so. Oh, I do too. It's amazing. It's so campy. It's so hammy, and I love it. <laughs> The thing I love about Christopher Lambert that makes him such a badass is he's actually legally blind. Oh, really? That's yeah. That's cool. So I didn't know that. And he can't wear contact lenses due to his eye condition. So for a lot of movies, he's going in blind most of the time. So when he has to do fucking sword fights in the Highlander movies, he can't fucking see. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's impressive as shit. And I think that's par- partially why they didn't have him fighting in Mortal Kombat, because, like, yeah, he can't see, so. Okay, the, well, that makes sense. The man is not able to see without his glasses, and unfortunately, these roles need him to not wear glasses. But apparently, no, 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 this monk in Ghost Rider 2 can't wear glasses, but he can be bald, and he has scripture tattooed all over his face. I'm not kidding. Hold on. Let wow. me show you. Let me show I you. I need to picture. see that. Yeah, I'll show you a picture. Hold on. By the <laughs> way, when I was when I was looking up about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I found out that uh, martial artist Tony Jaa was a stunt double for Robin Show in in that film, and that's actually a really cool thing because Tony Tony Jaa is like 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 pretty well known. Like he was in Furious Seven. Yeah. So. I just like, hey, that's that's a fun little connection. Sorry, I just got distracted because I looked down and like, oh, he's in, he was in that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me see what you're talking about, though. I want to see this. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I'm getting it to you. Don't worry. You'll fucking see. <laughs> I love, okay. uh, I love Christopher Lambert's um, delivery yeah, this, of that. This is what Christopher Lambert looks like in Ghost Rider 2. <laughs> oh, wow. He understood the assignment then. Yeah, this entire movie understood the assignment. 
<laughs> no, you got to understand, this movie was tasked of being a sequel to a, to a superhero movie not a lot of people liked. Yeah. And, was... and the only actor returning is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> like. Because, of course, kn- Nicolas Cage would come back. And they decided to make it the most over-the-top shit possible. They knew what they were doing. Oh, 100%. Like, they knew. This movie is so crazy. It has this fast-paced fucking editing to it. Like, you have the devil who's played by Kieran Hines, which is kind of funny because he would later play Steppenwolf. Uh, mm. Which is funny because apparently um, Peter Fonda, who played the devil in the first movie, did want to come back, but they didn't bring him back, so. Very which, interesting. I guess they were just dedicated to making sure Nicolas Cage was the only returning actor. I guess they had they had their priorities in order. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pick one actor from the first film you're going to bring back, it's probably going to be Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like, but no, like, it's just in this over-the-top, dumb fucking movie. And I'm sorry, I think there was a lot more effort in it than people give it credit for. Fuck, I actually really like Ghost Rider's design in this movie compared to the first one. Well, I do think from what I heard that they... That the the people who worked on it actually really did like Ghost Rider, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like they were they weren't making like something that was gonna rival a Marvel Studios movie because they knew it wasn't going to. Right. They just wanted to do their own thing. Right. But like they just made this really over the top dumb fucking movie. They knew it was dumb. They knew it was over the top, and they went with it that they understood the assignment also again look at fucking ghost rider look at him google everyone who's like lis- listening right now google him yeah that i don't good. care who you are that's a good fucking design it is a good design it's so fucking cool by the way i like that the the next time we would you know we would eventually get an mcu ghost rider but i like that they chose a different character so that was cool. Because everyone's everyone's probably associating the live action version of Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage at this point. Right. Um I don't know if you knew knew on Shield that they had Ghost Rider. I was aware. I, I never okay, saw yeah. any use of Shield though, but I was aware that Ghost Rider was in it, so Yeah, they did a different character. Uh Robbie Reyes was who's a different Ghost Rider in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um and he also doesn't have a motorcycle, he has a car. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Uh, I don't know. I- I'd love to see another attempt at a Ghost Rider movie at some point, but I understand it's a hard character to integrate in something like the MCU, which, like, that's what apparently you got to do now if you want to make a fucking Marvel movie. They... They were... I feel like Netflix was a great place for... Oh, maybe we shouldn't discuss Netflix. Probably not, because they're shit. Uh... Oh no, where we fell right into I fell right into Twitter discourse. Uh <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying that the Marvel somewhat in-universe Netflix television shows uh got to be a little bit more violent and a little bit more adult than the movies did. Um which I still wish we had that alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like, like, oh, Punisher was allowed to be, like, R-rated, you know? Or at least, like, really, really freaking close to being super R-rated. You know what I mean? Like, it was... 
Right. I find it annoying that the shows now have to have canon with the movies because now I'm just going to say it right now. I know it's, they're still early in and integrating that. I think it's going to be a fucking mess. You think so? Because so far I've liked every show that they've done. No, it's not not necessarily with the show's quality. I think the trying to integrate it into the movies and the fact that they are and the fact they're necessary to understand certain aspects of the movies is I think that's just going to be a fucking mess. Yeah, it it, it It, makes the it makes this franchise feel like homework. Uh, true. But as a fan, I like it. (laughs) as a movie watcher primarily and someone who's only a casual viewer of the mcu i can't fucking stand it and i think this is where Uh, i'm this is where i'm jumping off of the franchise no fair enough i'm i'm staying with it but i'm a fan so mm -hmm. i'll i'll only watch the movies that interest me i'll probably watch shang chi and maybe the eternals because that's looking kind of cool though i will admit that trailer was the trailer for the eternals was really good when it had this cool tone to it, and then it had a joke at the end because they couldn't help themselves, and it was a really bad joke, and it made me realize, fuck, I, fuck sometimes I hate Marvel. Which one? Is it the Ikea joke? Yes, that one. I, it I seemed found that. fairly subtle for, for a joke. No, I found, I found it annoying because Ikea is a thing that people know. It's this very Joss Whedon-like way of writing things that I can't stand. Fair enough. Where you can't let a moment, you can't let the tone be consistent. You gotta add this out-of-place, quippy-ass, dumb joke. And I know that's just the Marvel way at this point. It's too integrate. It's too, like, synonymous with the MCU's identity at this point. I just just wish they'd stop. (laughs) I just wish they'd stop that, because I like when moments are, good moments are allowed to be good moments. (laughs) I feel like in the best, in the the greatest MCU films, though, that they do know when to, like, it's, to yeah. allow it to breathe. I, right. I, it's, you know, it's it's why I like the Guardians of the Galaxy films so much. I'm with so, you there, yeah. Because they know how to balance humor and drama. Like, if there's a dramatic moment, they let it play out. The ending of Guardians Volume 2 was really fucking good, and they didn't ruin it, so... They didn't break the any of the dramatic moments with a stupid fucking joke. yeah. I think the closest they came to that was during, uh, like, Ego's, like, r- like rage-filled rant when he briefly turns into fucking David Hasselhoff. But I see that more as payoff to something that was set up earlier than a cheap joke. Or, um, Peter Quill turning into Pac-Man. Okay, that was just fucking awesome. <laughs> Look, I'm okay with cheap jokes if they, do, if they, if they have an awesome visual. I forgot about the Hasselhoff bit. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, because there's that whole thing where Star-Lord mentions that he imagined his dad as David Hasselhoff's character from Knight Rider when he was a kid, because he never knew his dad. Which is why Hasselhoff appears in that music video. Right. And then there's a bit, like, when, after Quill finds out what's going on and shoots at Ego, Ego's yelling at him angry and briefly turns into fucking David Hasselhoff for one bit. (laughs) That makes sense. It fits. Mm-hmm. Um. So, <laughs> do you want to like maybe give? I know I get. I know it's getting later in the in the show. Um. I think I think it might be a good good point. We we stop, but I wanted to say even though this is this has been a really weird uh, 25th anniversary uh, special of of for Scream. Um. 
Did you have ended like... it when Lizzie left to make it keep it as a scream thing, but no, you said an hour and a half. Well, all right. <laughs> it's always my fault. I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> okay, so final thoughts on Scream. You like seeing it again? Yeah, I really did. Only issue okay. I really had in terms of the overall film was I thought the audio editing was kind of shit, but that's just that's just me being being nitpicky. Yeah. But it was a problem I noticed as I was going that I thought there were some really obvious bits of ADR work going on. Like one of the bits that actually got me laughing unintentionally was um, when uh, Drew Barrymore's boyfriend at the beginning is tied up in the chair and duct tape. You can hear an obviously ADR but kind of muffled like bit of him yelling, which sounded awful. Oh, he's muffled. Yeah. Yeah. Um some of the sound effect work was pretty cheap. I don't know. I, I I'm a picky bitch with audio mixing because Yeah, that's, no. That's that's your that's your thing. Right, that's my work. So so I can tell when something was done on set or something that's ADR. And I don't mind if something needs to be ADR. I just don't know if, if it sounds obvious, I'm going to be annoyed. So That's fair. But that's but, my only issue with the movie. I think, like, other than that, I thought it was great. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I saw it in theaters like Lizzie for the first time. And after going back to it after many years, I still absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And I still for, I forgot how... Because I had gotten so used to that scene when I saw it when I was young that I just knew it, like, the back of my hand. But mm-hmm. seeing it in, like, a theater was the first opening sequence. I forgot how, like, genuinely scary and impactful it is. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a very thrilling sequence. And it's Mm. led by a great performance from Drew. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And Roger Jackson, of course. Yeah. Yeah, he... I mean, how can it not be iconic after hearing his voice going like, do you like scary movies? Goddamn, I love that voice. (laughs) What's your favorite scary movie? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's, it's so good. It's good. So anyway, if you've if you've listened to this and not seen Scream, I'm wondering what you're doing. And also, we recommend seeing um, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance and <laughs> Mortal Kombat: Annihilation if you want to laugh. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think uh, I think it's it's time for us to wrap up this episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. Um, Jazzy, do you want to like share what, where people can find you and plug all the plugs? You can find, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Lady Jazzington, and you can also find me on Twitch under the same name. Uh, every Saturday, I've been doing, I've been doing uh, streams of the of Kingdom Hearts as a celebration of my 2,000 followers on Twitter. And I'm also going to take this opportunity to promote that on Wednesday, on Wednesday, which will be two days from when this is uploaded, or one day if like if it if it's delayed. Um, I will be doing a that Wednesday. I will be doing a. I'll be on Streamily lot uh, Streamily's official YouTube channel. Streamily's a company that does that works with a lot of um, fan events and so forth. And joining the cast and crew of Cirque de Monstro, a series I'm a part of, for a Q&A. So if you're interested in seeing that, in seeing that, or if any of, or if you're interested in seeing me or any of the many actors that are involved in it, including Austin Lee Matthews, Jason Marnoka, Millie Grant, uh, and and um. Uh, Autumn Ivy and so many others, definitely give it a look. Definitely go do that, gals, fans. Uh, do that, please. 
uh, for Jazzy because she deserves it. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Um, and my name is Crystal Williams. You can you can follow my Twitter account at Crystal W Rocks, or you can go to a medium where I actually uh, released last week uh, my latest article, um, Crystal Clear Transgender Coming Out Story. Um, you could read my story, how I came out this year, and how it ties into like the larger things of life and society and all that good stuff. And you can read all the other articles I do on, on Medium as well. Um, other than that, I don't have any upcoming projects. Just go read that article and share it if you really like it. Or you could just, like, I don't know, hit me up on Twitter, but don't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that concludes another spooky episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. And we will see you all next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.